This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, how are you enjoying the weather this week? It's been all over the place. Yeah, it's been kind of wild. I uh, I have a lot of branches down in my yard and, you know, saw a tree down across the road on my way to work yesterday. But, um, you know, doing all right. You? Same. Uh, my neighborhood was hit by the, the storm. There was tons of debris all over the roads. My driveway had to be completely swept off. Lost power for a little bit. So that was fun. But uh, yeah, it's been interesting. It was also incredibly hot. Like I kicked the air back on and was like, well, how did it get so hot in my house? I had the windows open and it just, it, it was humid and gross and boy, boy, howdy. But I did get to go outside this week. Uh, the Pulse Show, if you're listening to this podcast, the Pulse Show should be up today. Uh, I jumped around the county checked out all the new stuff that's going on this year. So I got to get out and see stuff for the first time uh, since COVID-19, and uh, it was pretty fun. So I definitely recommend checking that out, getting out this weekend if you can, if weather's going to be good, uh, just kind of soaking in the sun if you're able to. So today we have uh, an interview with Mike Holmes of Wickman House that you uh, recorded earlier that we're going to get into shortly. Uh, But before we do, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things. In your interview with Mike, you talk about food and dining and all that kind of stuff. But of course, COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter both come up because those are really important issues right now. Uh, I just wanted to do a little bit on both of those before we jump in. Uh, Miles, do you have anything that people should know about COVID-19 right now? We haven't really done an update in a while because there hasn't been a ton to talk about. I know that the numbers in Door County have gone up, uh, but what do people need to know about COVID-19 right now? Yeah, I mean, well, they haven't gone up much, which is great. Um, right. The um, I think we're still at my last check at 39 cases, and that's been holding steady for several days. And then uh, we had that mass testing last week, and of the 400 or so tests, only three came back positive, and all three of those were residents of surrounding counties. So. Really good news there that we just didn't unearth a ton of cases. Um, right. There's that. That's obviously all all great news for our community. It does not mean like okay, we're all fine. Like we're immune to this. <laughs> they on the flip side of that is I mean, people have to remember like where we're at. We have not done any really big mass gatherings. We haven't done a lot of church services. We have not had indoor events of any size. Um, that would be the test to know if you're really um, in a good spot if, if you could get through those. But, you know, that's I'll take any positive news we can get. Right. Yeah. And we're at the point now where we should be seeing like we should be seeing results coming back in from Memorial Day weekend. If there was going to be a spike in Door County, we should be seeing that around now. Uh, yeah. You had mentioned that the numbers haven't gone up a ton, but there are still 122 cases pending or tests pending. So I, I guess we'll we'll see when that comes through. It It's so weird with everything else that we're talking about, uh, especially the Black Lives Matter, uh, the death of George Floyd, all of that, it's so weird to remember <laughs> that there's a pandemic going on. And I I feel like people probably know this, but COVID-19 still is definitely a thing. The more I get out, the more I see, you know, less masks and that kind of stuff. And I start to think that maybe people are just like, 
oh, I guess the pandemic is done. But it's not. Uh, we're, we're maybe in a unique situation up here in Door County that we handled it as well as we did. And, and we're, we're still seeing the fruits of the work that we did in trying to keep cases down. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's over. If you look at the numbers in Wisconsin, we are still going up. Uh, we just had record cases this week. So it's still definitely something that should be on people's mind, uh, especially as yeah. the summer is continuing. But at and we, least we are for right now. Go ahead. We we are we are testing at a massive rate compared to the past. So it's like the percent of positive cases has not elevated to what we had early on. But it it is like you said, it's hard because you go, all right, this is good news. I feel better. We all want to feel better. We all want to get back to normalcy. Um, I don't want to like as a reporter. Um, and somebody who has a, a voice and a, a platform with our paper, like, I don't want to be alarmist and be like, oh yeah, but it could get really bad. But I, I, you can't not put that caveat out there as much as things are good. We're also, we've been pretty lucky, I would say. And you also look around the country and Arizona cases are skyrocketing. Um, their ICU beds, Banner Health, the leading hospital system in Arizona is saying like, we are in an emergency and we're running out of ICU beds. And they were one of the earlier states to open up. Texas is seeing cases skyrocket and so is Florida. So even as we start to get into this complacency, other states are seeing some big increases. So it's, right. and, and, at the same time, we're finding out good news, bad news for people who, I don't know, want to want to fight a very simple solution. But like the good news is there's more and more studies showing that masks make a big difference. Um, Reuters just had a report today on a study that shows that like the social distancing combined with mask wearing can have a dramatic impact on the spread of the disease. So right. there's a very simple, low-cost solution to try and keep a lot of people safe. Yeah. And and like I was saying, we, we've done a good so far. I think that we can say at this point that we've done a good job so far in Door County keeping cases low. We need to continue to do a good job moving forward. And I'm seeing... A lot of businesses up here really putting their best foot forward in doing that. A lot of businesses uh, increasing their cleanliness standards, wearing masks, offering curbside takeout. If you listen to the podcast yesterday, me and Aliyah Kidd talked about restaurants expanding their outdoor dining to try to give people more distance and, and you know, as they're moving their tables inside, kind of filling out into their outdoor spaces. All of those things are combining to get us to where we are. So if we continue to do that throughout this season, I think that we're going to see things move forward in much the same way that they have. And that's a good thing. But we, we can't just say, hey, we're over the worst of it. Now we can start to loosen up. I think that we need to take a look at what we're doing right now and what's working and continue to do that throughout the rest of the year. Absolutely. And, and uh, I was on a call yesterday with uh, a lot of leading officials in, in health and business in the county. And, you know, there's still not a lot of clarity. Like I organize events for a living um, right now, we're still not at a point where we can say that ev mass events that we put on, like the beer fest, like the bike ride, those kind of things, we're nowhere close to being confident in saying that's a go. As both a reporter and as somebody who organizes those and is incentivized to make money off of those, I still don't feel good about that. So, right. Uh, the other the other major thing that's going on in the country is the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests following the death of George Floyd. We talked about it on the podcast last week, and I just wanted to maybe talk about it a little bit. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it before we get into our interview with Mike Holmes, where you do talk about it a little bit more. But I just wanted to kind of reflect on the episode that we did last week. Uh, 
you did a great job of sending it to people who you knew were going to be critical about it. Uh, and I think that that is, is a great way to go about it, just hearing feedback from folks. Um, and one of the things that I think that we should address is you and I are both white uh, some might say incredibly white uh, and and we we talked about it on the podcast uh, we did not have any people of color come in to add their voice to it and while I, I the, the big thing that I want to get across here is that I believe that it is important to amplify black voices uh, I think that we should use our platform and our privilege to amplify the message of black people. Um, that being said, you and I are, are doing this right now out of our homes. We're trying to be as thorough and timely as possible. Um, you have reached out to a lot of people to try to uh, talk to them about things, but it's kind of a double-edged sword in that you want to get people of color to come talk about it, to use our platform in that way. But you also don't want to tokenize folks and you don't want to say, hey, how would you like to come on and be a representative for your entire race? It's it's a challenging <laughs> thing to thrust on somebody. And I, I think that you've been pretty respectful in reaching out to people and trying to get folks to come on in a way that isn't so heavy handed. Um, so I just wanted to address that. And I wanted to say that uh, we are reaching out to folks to try to amplify their voices. Um, but it, we didn't just, we, we, when we recorded that podcast last week, we did so knowing that we were just two white men talking about this issue. Um, we tr trust us that that was definitely at the forefront of our thought process in how we were trying to handle our, our discussion about it. Absolutely. And, um, like I, I'd send it out to people just to see like, hey, like I, even with articles, anytime I'm addressing a controversial topic, I, I like the feedback. I like to find out from other people like um, you're way off base or here's a different way of looking at it or you were you were good here, but here's something to consider. Like that's all helpful. Like at no, at no time when I write an article or do a podcast, are you going to take 45 minutes or 700 words and get it all in there and and address every aspect? And a lot of times people send you feedback and you're like, oh, there's another angle. Oh, there's another story. And that's what I want. Like, I need those stories. So, and we need those discussion points. And unfortunately now, especially with Twitter, if someone tweets something, someone responds to that tweet as like, that is your whole life's opinion on this topic. And okay, that's 240 characters. That's a part of the discussion. Like, do you think of like how you discuss things really with people in, in person? Do you take any quote and say like that defines the person and that defines their viewpoint? Right. Or do you have an ongoing discussion and you go back and forth and over 45 minutes, you say something stupid. Other people say something stupid. You're wrong on many things. Somebody corrects you. Somebody gives you more information. And by the end of it, you go like, yeah, I, I agree with you on this part of it. Like I definitely, I was, I was way off base. I had bad information or you know what, that you're right. Like I hadn't considered that. And if you thought you of mean Twitter, in person, right? Because yeah, online, uh, nobody's ever wrong right. online. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and the point being, like, if people thought of social media and their Facebook posts and their Twitter posts and, and even news articles in that same vein and said, like, this is part of a discussion of getting to the next point, like, it, it's, it's too bad we don't because you don't want people to, like, be afraid to say what they think. And right. if what you think is wrong, I'm, I'm, I'd actually rather you say it and then we can correct you or... I should say we, like like your friends or somebody can correct you or give you new information and be like, all right, my opinion is a little bit different. And I've been moved over a little bit here or a little bit there. Not to say like, oh, now we 100% agree, but just like you're always getting information and hopefully people are always processing it and coming to a better place of understanding and evolving. 
Like, right. I remember like the first time I heard this, like John Kerry in the 2004 presidential election was criticized for being a flip flopper. And that based on like, well, you used to believe this and now you're saying this like, gosh, I hope if you find out you're wrong, I hope your opinion changes. And right. too often in judging whether it's our article and this is a much smaller scale thing, right? But like in judging articles or um, tweets or comments or public comments, we go absolutely crazy about a 18 word statement. And then, then we go crazy if they change their mind. Like, what do you want? Do you want people to learn from things? Like, I, you know, Roger Goodell's statement on Black Lives Matter, it, it does ring really hollow to me because that's a guy with an incredible platform who could have made lives easier for a ton of people and has not used it that way over the last 10 years. But and so I look at him from a very jaded standpoint, like he has blackballed the guy who has been protesting this kind of violence, police violence all along. But all right, if he's finally coming around, I can't be angry at him coming around. Sure. Um, even if I do think it's a, it rings a little hollow and I don't know if there's any actual meat behind what he's saying, but you do have to give people an opportunity to change their mind. Um, right. And that, that's a broader statement than what I'm talking about. But also like, it's just to say that like, when we record a podcast and we do an article that is not like the 100% whole story, unless people want to subscribe at a rate of $5,000 a year, we can start to publish 20,000 word tomes on every single topic. <laughs> right. Uh, Miles, why don't we jump into your interview with Mike Holmes? Uh, do you want to give us just a little bit of a, a rundown about what you guys talk about? Uh, and then we'll we'll leave it there and we'll jump in. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mike, I was really curious to talk to him about his decision to change Wickman House, um, a fine dining establishment and a place with a really unique aesthetic, and then turn that into, in the wake of COVID, early on, he made the call like, we're not going to be able to do what we always do. And we're going to have to think of something else that we can do on a takeout basis that does justice to what we want to be. So they went with a barbecue restaurant and right. it is no small feat to transform a restaurant. So I want to talk to him about that. Um, you know, is he really brought cocktails to another level in Door County eight, nine years ago. Um, I've, I've long wanted to get on the podcast to talk about that, but he's also a very thoughtful business owner and community member who has been involved in a lot of different events and, and helping out in the community and been involved in the community. So um, I, I think it's, I think people will really like it uh, getting the, the viewpoint from behind the scenes at the restaurant, behind the bar at the restaurant, and then also inside the head of somebody who, sees his role as a community member as well. Great. I'm looking forward to hearing the interview. Uh, as far as like restaurants transforming and adapting to COVID-19, I feel like Wickman House is one of the ones that maybe went the furthest in terms of completely redesigning their menu from scratch to do something totally different from what you might be used to. Um, and so far from what I've heard, it's been successful and I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about what that process was like. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Miles, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, today on the podcast, joining me is Mike Holmes from The Wickman House, Trixie's, Taco Cerveza, um, all sorts of community organizations. Mike, thanks for finally joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, we've been trying to arrange something for a long time because there's a lot of always wanted to talk to you about. Um, and of course, when we finally get it to happen, it's in my garage during COVID. <laughs> yes. That's great. Yeah. Maybe it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, there's about six feet between us. I think we're pretty good. Yep. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you first and foremost about how you've dealt with um, th th everything that's happened with COVID and how you've had to rethink your restaurant. The first one you opened after this was Wickman House and you, yeah, Wickman House for eight years, nine years? Yeah, this is our ninth year. Ninth year. Yeah. Um, 
You've built this reputation as one of, if not the best restaurant in the county on this higher end plane and tons of publicity for doing a very distinct aesthetic. What you, what you guys have there, it's a, it's a feel unlike other restaurants in Door County and an offering unlike them. And then you kind of tossed that all out the window (laughs) and decided to go barbecue. Yes. Kind of tell me what, and you did that early. Like a lot of people were sitting back going, well, we'll see what the rules are. We'll see how this plays out. If it really happens, you made this call very early on today. We got to think of something different. What was your thought process? I guess kind of like what you were saying. It's like when we created Wickman House, it was the aesthetic as much as it was what the food offering was going to be. So we knew that we wanted to do farm to table. We knew we wanted to use local ingredients. We knew we wanted that feel to it. We really wanted to bring the cocktail program to Door County. And we really wanted to have the level of service and the fun environment speak for itself. You know, our mission statement was to be a gathering space. It really was to be a place where everyone can come and just feel like it's theirs. So that was kind of the the real interesting thing when we had to make this pivot because we I've been super proud of our food and our drink offerings over the years. But to say like, okay, now, you know, what does Chapino look like in a to go? You know, <laughs> what what does what does a fifty dollar steak look like, you know, without the service and the presentation and everything behind it, you know? So that was just kind of back in my head going, I, you know, I don't know how Wickman house goes to go, you know, what does that look like? And then as, and if you don't mind my jumping in, but like part of a restaurant like yours is yes, the food can stand on its own as a great product, but the, what allows you to charge what you can charge. And I'm I'm not trying to paint you as like this incredibly expensive elite place. Cause I know you do things with the menu to make it approachable for a lot of different people, but to charge a higher end, those kind of restaurants what people don't understand is you you're also paying for a server who knows what he's talking about right you're talking for about a a bartender who when she comes up and serves you can ask you what you like and don't like and come up with a like the right option for you it's not just order off the menu that's right so you it's hard to do that all of those things in a to-go basis yeah for sure And, and that was kind of like the when we're wrapping our head around that it was it was exactly like how can you bring wickman house home so not only did we think about the barbecue and all that, but like what what little touches can we do to bring that experience to your house? So all of that we needed to think of, you know, because it is, it's like we are so fortunate to have the talent that we have in our staff and we train a lot and we, you know, we don't cut corners. It's never been, that's not, we, I, I push people, I think too far. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think that's been told to me a few times. <laughs> So, you know, you're exactly it. It's, it's, we always wanted to create a place that everyone could come to. We wanted to make it a special place, you know, for, for an occasion, but also come and have a beer and burger at the bar. So within all of that, we were kind of thing, I was thinking, all right, as this timeline unfolds and everything changes on a minute to minute basis, it was like, okay, you know, we, we had brought back Matt Chambis, our original uh, chef. And we were making plans on let's let's go for this. Let's, you know, push the envelope here. Let's think this. And all of a sudden COVID let's, broke up. <laughs> let's take a great restaurant and go like we're going next level. Yeah, next yeah. level. Exactly. It was that that was where our focus was. And then a week later, we're like, hopefully we can open up, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it really was like, yeah, went 180 degrees the different way. Um, what at what point did you decide you had to come up with something different? Um, pretty, 
pretty soon on. I mean, I was probably a couple weeks into the as as it was looking that the stay at home order was going to continue and that we were going to be social distanced and that, you know, I have a lot of ties still in New York and things like that. So talking to other friends and, you know, that were doing to go and curbside before us, you know, as I was seeing all of that, I was just kept thinking, like, what is this food going to be? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And so it was probably two two weeks into probably two weeks into the stay at home order when I so probably started. like late March. Yeah, late March. Yeah. It was definitely yeah, it was definitely maybe even sooner than that. It yeah, was, it, it was kind of like right around the time of the stay at home was like March seventeenth, I believe, on St. Patrick's Day. Correct? Yeah, yeah, right. So I think right around that time we I just had the idea and I I was kind of nervous to bring it up to the kitchen, you know, because. I've been obsessed with barbecue for a long time, and I know that those guys and gals had been as well. We all have a passion for it. So, you know, I was kind of like tiptoeing the subject because we're all trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? How is this going to look? And, you know, take away the focus from making a run at the James Beard, you know, to (laughs) to like, (laughs) hopefully we can pay our bills. (laughs) So um, we we just, I just tiptoed into the conversation. I said, you know, what do you guys think about doing barbecue <laughs> and their eyes all lit up, you know, and they were like, yeah, you know, cause barbecue, the, the, my idea was a, it's delicious and B it's one of those things that it's, it's the summer, you know, if, if as things have opened up, things have changed a little bit. Right. Of course. But like thinking then it's like, come pick it up, take it to your home. Your backyard's going to be the new dining room, you know, like what, what carries what what can um go into a to-go box and be served and still taste like it was right when you put it in that box sure barbecue you know what i mean and and take it home buy it for the weekend you know make sandwiches with it all that kind of stuff like that's what i was thinking just the 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 idea of if you can't be here maybe you can have a little bit of here all you know all all, right your whole time here you know while you're on vacation or and you also have the I remember talking to you, you know, we get dogs together yeah. in a f- big field yeah. <laughs> distantly. <laughs> and you, you had mentioned this and it was early on and I'm, I'm covering this day in, day out throughout all this process and talking to officials. And, and actually when you had said like, yeah, we're, we're doing barbecue. I th- thought you were joking. Yeah. <laughs> and then I waited for it to hang in the air and I'm like, no, he's, he's serious. He's Wickman's turning into barbecue. Like, yeah. oh, oh crap. Like it actually made me take the situation even more serious than I was in the fact that like, hmm, if Mike is looking at his business and saying, I can't count on, because everyone was still hopeful at that point. Yes. Um, that it would be maybe a couple of weeks and then we move on. Yep. And, you know, that clearly hasn't been the case. Um, so a really gutsy decision. I think other people were sitting back, not everyone, a lot of other people, the JRHIs have been really forward thinking, plenty yes. of other people, yep. but even I was going like, eh, I would sit back and see what the field looks like, sure. but, um, it takes some guts to jump out and make that change. Um, but especially like your reputation at the Wickman house, so much of that has come from what you've done with the cocktails scene, um, and really introducing that, that kind of level of cocktail scene to the County, like, and making that a focal point. And now that obviously is a big chunk of your revenue in a restaurant yeah, like yours or, so. or our friend Kendall at the waterfront. Yes. I mean, that's, that drives your, pro- even Main Street Market, yes. like selling wine is what drives the profit. Like you're not making it on like your soaps. No, no. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so how does that wash for you guys? Like, I know you've done some cocktail kits to go and things, but like, 
that had to be pretty scary to look at too. Yeah, that was very, I mean, it's very, that part is very scary. And I thought with the kits we could, well, first off, my understanding, and it was the incorrect understanding, was that you're going to be able to sell, you know, we were going to be able to bottle mixed drinks, right? So like literally we would put one of our cocktails in a bottle and make that package the cute thing, right? Yeah. So like, you know, and that's what we do with our kits now. We give you instructions and like we give you the fancy ice and we give you all this, the, the garnish. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that even I, we did it one night. I'm yeah. like, oh, even the ice. <laughs> you got to have the ice. You got to have the ice. And but that was like, you know, as as I found out that that wasn't, you know, in the in the law that you're not able to like literally, you know, the, the alcohol has to be in its original container. Right. So everyone, you know, all of a sudden the small bottle association of America is like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, or yeah. not. But, Whoever's right. selling airplane bottles. Yeah, exactly. I got a small case of them. Yeah, dude, yeah exactly. <laughs> so all of a sudden, like you couldn't get, you know, tequila in a 50 milliliter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think Dustin ever had a call for a tequila. Yeah. Right. <laughs> ever. Um, so, yeah. That, so that was a hard thing because it is it's, you know, it's just all and I don't keep. I don't want to keep saying like that. The, that was the hard thing. That was the hard thing, but because <laughs> everything's hard, <laughs> it was pretty hard. And you know, but that, that was the challenge was just to say, yeah, like a big backbone of this restaurant is the bar program, and like, and why people go there, and you know, and and to take that away, and to say like, okay, this is going to be a well thought out kit, but it's still a kit. And it's not the person shaking it and it's not the, you know, the conversation being had and it's not the pretty, you know, we don't have the egg white on top and all that kind of yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? And, and, and we can't really, we, you know, constantly, we just want to keep pushing the boundary of things. So it's hard to like, yeah, you're pushing the boundary of how can you make this cocktail with the limitations that you have, but you're not really like, how can I make this the best cocktail in the world? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's kind of funny because there was a, a great, for those who, who like Wickman, a good chunk of you probably have heard of a restaurant called Alinea in Chicago, really high end place. But there was a great parody video that came out seven or eight years ago that like a little takeout uh, strip mall restaurant did where it's like, we're offering Alinea to go. And it was like <laughs> your, your meal would come with like 97 different small <laughs> yeah, two ounce right. containers of stuff that you had to assemble your right. Alinea meal. Like right. you can't, you can't do that. It's right. a gr great like uh, parody of what you're trying to do. And that's why you have to go barbecue and do something a little simpler, yep. which you can still, you're probably looking at barbecue going, okay, we can do this. And, but we can do a version of barbecue that does justice to the Wickman brand. Is that kind of like, yeah, definitely. We're, you know, we're only using like uh, really good meat, you know, we're, we're going out there and getting the, the best product that we can get. So we're staying true to that. Um, which I'm very excited about, you know, uh, all of our brisket comes from Neiman. It's, you know, we know where they're coming from. We know how it's handled. So the product is good. It's done. I mean, brisk, our briskets are taking between 14 to 16 hours to do. So it really is slow, low, as authentic as we understand. How so is that how long it takes to microwave them when you get them off the Cisco yeah, truck? Once, yeah. <laughs> once you get it, once you, once the truck pulls in from the time it pulls in, the time it gets on the plate, 16 yeah. hours in the microwave. It's, it's delicious. If you haven't had any yet, get out there. Um, yeah, so it it, it it actually has been, in, on a lot of those levels, a great thing because it's allowed us to push ourselves and learn and, and really work on the sides. You know, like a lot of the stuff now, especially is coming from our garden, um, you know, and we're going to be able to start doing more specials as the season goes on and as the farmers start bringing more stuff to our door. So that's kind of fun, too, because, you know, as everyone knows, that loves barbecue, like barbecue is amazing. But what really puts it over the top for me, at least, is the sides that you can 
you know, I, I hate going into a barbecue spot and looking at that chalkboard and being like, I just want all of that, yeah. <laughs> you, know what I mean? yeah. you know, and like a pound of it all sounds good at the time. And you realize how much food that is once you get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we did that, we got it to go a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I overate and stuff myself, which is what you do. Cause <laughs> yeah. you go like, yeah, we'll take all those sides and then we'll take all those meats and then I will eat a good chunk of all of them. And then when, when my wife's done, I'm also going to eat that. <laughs> And then my wife went into labor two hours later and I, I had to go to the hospital with a three-day gut bomb. Oh, but um, I was full. I was satiated. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when what's it looking like now? How has it been going? And um, is it evolving now that some things are opening up more and maybe that the, the case, the COVID caseload in North County is still sitting at 39 as of my last check? Yep. Yep. Hasn't exploded. Yep. So do you... Do you feel like things are going to change for you? Or are you going to stick with the barbecue? What's the, the yeah, idea? I, I, I'm under the belief, you know, I, I work with our staff on what, what their comfort level is. I'm under the belief that this thing is real and it's out there and I want to keep everyone safe. So as every decision... Which is, I'll clarify, it's not a belief, it's a fact. Right. It's, it is real yes. and it is out there. <laughs> thank you. I, I love that. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, and, and I don't, you know, it's hard, it's hard to... I want to make sure everyone's safe and I want to make sure that our staff is coming to an environment that they feel comfortable with. So every decision that we make to like take the next step is made with with their voices. Um, So what we are doing, um, we are going to open up our outdoor dining space starting uh, next weekend. And that will be first come, first serve. It will be barbecue it will be the barbecue menu and there will be a couple extra specials on that like we'll be doing some sandwiches and uh, we're making like a brisket reuben and bringing back our original veggie burger you know kind of fun things like that too which is another aspect of this is like going back to kind of like having to start a whole new concept you can also like go back to the idea of oh yeah like remember that sandwich? Like, remember that salad our second year? You know, you can kind of revisit these things that you maybe kind of wiped out of your head because you just keep pushing in this, you know, new direction. Yeah. So sometimes you forget like, oh, wait, that was actually good. We just changed it because we need to change it. And then we totally forgot we ever made it. Exactly. Um, We've done that at the Pulse even throughout this as we're constantly evolving and changing, trying to keep costs in line and figure out what works in a new way. And you know, we don't have events to cover. We don't have festivals to cover. So right. it's like, all right, what do we do? Right. And, and how do we keep, you know, that balance of keep people informed, but also like don't drown them in, in the scary stuff yep. and find ways to be positive, which is harder to do now when people aren't throwing parties. Right. right. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. So w- we're always facing that challenge each week. And some of that I've gone to old issues and gone like, oh, this actually, this thing from like 14 years ago, that was, that was a good idea. We should get some of that back yeah. in the paper or, yeah. Yeah. um, find a way to joke about stuff in the paper more and do more fun stuff right now and make it a bigger priority or do some things with the design. But that's pretty minor, honestly, compared to (laughs) trying to rethink the restaurant. It's all all a lot, you know? (laughs) And then, and you do all this and now you also have two other restaurants. So what's happening and what's the thought process then been with like Trixie's and tacos was, was your mindset like, just to get one, I can't think about these other ones right now or how to <laughs> kind of thought about like all of them all at once. And then because Wickman house is kind of the, you know, it is kind of like the fir- it's the first it's, it's what a lot of the other restaurants like use to, you know, we use it all together. So like we kind of knew that we had to get Wickman house open first 
right? And so, and that focus with the barbecue was huge just because it's a whole new, you know, it's a smoker, it's a whole new learning curve, right? So we put a lot of focus, a lot of hours into that. And then once we started feeling comfortable with the cooks, the cooking of the meats, we were able to start saying, okay, this is really what we're going, you know, I was able to. Mitzi and Madison and Kate down at the kitchen and Trixie's were they're you know they were chomping at the bit they're ready to go it was me really having to be like okay I can now digest one more you know the thing that goes along with one more thing opening right and then that was the same thing with tacos you know and it's funny like with tacos in the beginning I was like oh man uh, this this is all terrible but maybe you know tacos will be our answer tacos will be the thing that's gonna like you know, hold us through. And I wasn't thinking that the road was closed, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. So, you, you know, every time you had a good idea, you kind of had to back up. And, and for the listeners, just to be clear, just to reiterate, he's talking about Taco Cerveza, the restaurant he owns in Fish Creek. He's not just talking generally like tacos <laughs> yes. get me through the <laughs> yes. bad days, although they do. Yeah. Sometimes but, they do. But there yes. is a yes. business perspective to that. Yes. They but yeah, yes. yeah. So tacos didn't make any sense to get going because... No. It was hard to get to. Yeah. You know, like the, the thing that's, you know, it's right on the main strip. It's like everything that's the positive of, you know, tacos, of taco cerveza. It was kind of hindered because of the road closure. Yeah. So, so then we we're thinking that. And then we knew that we wanted to make the pivot this year uh, for Trixie's to really focus on Mediterranean Italian. Okay. Right. So Mediterranean with a with an emphasis on Italian to start at least. And as we keep going, we'll, we're really going to expand on Mediterranean altogether. And so... You know, but that also turned into something too, where, you know, what are, what kind of pastas are you going to be sending? Because what's going to sit well in a box when you get it home, you know, it's not going to be like the, the, the fresh spaghetti isn't the best probably, but the gnocchi is and the filled pastas, things like that. So even with those first menus that they were all writing and, and we were all creating and ideas we had, we were rethinking all of that too, because it's like, all right, so 25 minutes later and you get this home, what does it look like? Right. You know? And as we've learned now, and you know, we've brought back our spaghetti and meatballs and we brought back the cacio pepe because it's, they're just so good. Yeah. You know, you want to <laughs> yeah. share that and it's, you know, I would eat that. No complaints yeah, about that. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and that, that's the challenge on that one. And, and, um, but they've, they've really created a beautiful menu. I'm really proud of that. And they're working on their next menu and, and Trixie's is fun because it, you know, it's the size of it makes it more manageable too. You can, kind, yeah. you can kind of say, you know, for the next few weeks, we're going to do this menu and then we can rewrite this menu in the next few yeah, weeks. Yeah, nothing works. Right, exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, Trixie's is, I've, I've always thought, is more, it's like taking a, an, a, a, the restaurant of the like you might see in certain places in Chicago, but especially like New York or even like places in Europe where it's a smaller place. So many restaurants in Door County were built back in like huge footprint to take advantage of the peak crowds. Yep. So we make this massive restaurant right. for like those two months of the year when you actually can fill all those seats. Yeah. Then the rest of the year, you're like, wow, this doesn't look so great when there's 12 people in this 300 seat place. Right. Like it's awkward. It's awkward. Um, so we've seen a kind of return in recent years to some places, people just trying to do like, I'm going to do this one thing and do it well. With, and I think Charnuska is one of the first ones I think of that way. Yeah. Although the yeah. recently, the late great Charnuska yeah. soup bar. Yeah. Um, but Trixie's is like that too. It's small enough, a few tables, a yeah. couple tables outside to expand it. But yeah. it you have some flexibility there. Definitely. And it, that, yeah, it was built to be, you know, the, it was built as the sister restaurant to Wickman. It was really built to, to, to celebrate the female side of all of us. It was really built, you know, to have it be pretty, to have the experience be 
something that it, you know, is, it feels just special, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that with the size of that, it's also like, that's just fun too. It's just, you go in there and, and you're part of it, you know? And so even that with this, you know, we're, we're seating some tables outside right now. And, and that's been a lot of fun to be able to like start, you know, being with our guests again, you know, <laughs> offering an experience, you know, and, and that's been a lot of fun. And I think we'll keep expanding with Trixie's. I think we'll slowly allow some indoor spaced out dining because it's it is so small that you can put our three tables inside and like six bar stools and everyone will be spread out. We'll feel safe. They'll feel safe. And and, you know, that, that that's kind of like the first the next step there. And then tacos, we were doing tacos to go for our first weekend. And then now we're going to allow some uh, people to stay, you know, socially distanced in the in the footprint um, of that outside of the outside covered area. Right. Yeah. And but it'll all be um, uh, there will be no stools or anything. And it's all going to be like those high top lean things that we have. So people can enjoy their their beer and their wine and their tacos and then, you know, go on and we can keep it nice and sterilized and. Well, I know from my own experience that running multiple restaurants at one time was a, a version of hell. <laughs> running three of them would be worse. Running three of them during COVID is this like a special way of stabbing yourself in the eyeballs yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know how you can stay sane. Yeah. Um, but because like so much of your industry is always like, how do we attract the most people right. at, that we can possibly get in here? And because you, you need the turnover, you need... You need, you need the volume. Right. And then now it's like, all right, how do I space this out? How do, <laughs> how do I av try to avoid making them stick around longer? <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's crazy, a, right? I mean, it's like your margins in restaurants are so small. Your margins in a seasonal setting are smaller. You know what I mean? Like for the overall feel. So yeah, it, you're tempted to be like, how can we do, you know, we need to do this. We need to have as many people in here as possible, but you also like need to keep people safe. And so there has been a lot of like, in my mind, you know, there's been a lot of reasons of like, you have to like, to honestly, you have to ask why did, you know, why are you still doing this? Is, is this what you, you know, is this, if this continued, would you be satisfied? Me, Mike, would I be satisfied living the rest of my life offering some of these, you know, not the full experience, not the full thing, you know, be like you with the pulse. If all of a sudden, like you had to ha completely publish a different publication, yeah, you would probably really question that. You yeah. Know? And so, and I think that that's, that's kind of the, that's the thing that I, I'm, you know, and, and I know a lot of people that are my friends that I've talked to, it's like, you're really evaluating why, reevaluating why you're doing this. And that's, and that comes with good and comes with bad. It comes with the good of like remembering it's yeah, it's all about the guest. It's all about providing that experience, be it the food or the environment. And if you, you know, if half of that's taken away from you, that's a. Uh... And for those who are listening, and we have a lot of listeners who don't live here, but make a lot of trips up here or live away. And this is their connection. Um, what some people may not realize is, especially in Northern Door, like so many of your social circle are restaurant owners or restaurant employees. And if and on top of that, you probably worked in a restaurant at one point, like myself, and most of us have spent like a good little, little mini career in the industry. And so what you've seen for the last couple of months, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but my feeling has just been like a lot of glazed over eyes of people going like, what? Figuring out their, their business, their life, their passion, yes. their 
the, the livelihoods of their friends. If, if you're employing a bunch of people, you, you carry that weight. Um, it's just been like kind of like a little bit of zombie-ish, but yeah. also people finding some of these spurts to go like, all right, I got to figure this out yep. and be really inventive. All while also going, all right, now I got to apply for PPP loans and yes. deal with bankers that <laughs> yes. I basically, I didn't get in business to do this. Yes. You know? yes. It is just, uh, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. And you touched on like, when are we going to be able with our, you asked that question, like, when, when do we get to be with our guests again and, and hang with them and serve them? Right. And I think this spring has really shown me like how much we actually like, yeah, we might complain about stuff in August. Sure. We might bitch about customers here and there and, sure. the, and how busy it is. But it's also kind of what gets us through this cycle. We, yes. we have the big up of the summer, the cool down in the fall, uh, what Kendall would call friend season in the winter <laughs> yeah. when we all actually get to hang out with each other. That's right. But it's really slow. But then as the slowness really starts to get to you, as the winter gets to you, you start thinking about summer again. And you start thinking about the packed restaurant and the energy that comes with that and the new crop of employees. Or if you're a young guy, you're thinking about the 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 cute girls that are coming up right, right, <laughs> and vice right, versa. Right. But so that cycle is kind of like a rhythm to your life. Yep. And we lost that rhythm because mm-hmm. it's been a lot of like, I don't know. And this thing that we love to do, not only do we serve people, but we also go out and get served. We, we right. see our friends at the restaurants and that's part of like, Hey, the garage bar is open. Let's, right. let's meet up or 100%. waterfront's open or um, tacos open. Like Bayside, like th- all these different things that, that goal is part of that rhythm of the year just been taken away. And I, I think it has affected the psyche yes. of the community. Yeah. And I think too, you know, so this is our ninth year. And I, I just think that, you know, our first couple of years here, you know, a, we we're just figuring out door County, and, but it was so much more like, okay, here's your season. And then there's a little slower season and there's the winter. And we went to back to New York for the first couple of years. Um, but now it was getting super exciting. I mean, maybe it's just because we know more people, but it was really, I mean, we, we went from our first couple of years of just doing through the end of October, then it was through New Year's. And now, you know, we're, we were, were open mid-April until, you know, mid-February because there was, there was people up here. It was becoming a year-round thing, you know? So, yeah, you definitely had that, exactly what you explained, like that, the rush, the slowdown, the, the real slowdown, and then you're kind of getting back up. But what I was really loving about where things were going was like, yeah, man, this is like, we're, we're doing this year round. It yeah. Kind of, you know what I mean? It kind of felt like it almost made it, um, it just kind of felt healthier almost, you know? Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, just like everything, it just, it just stopped. Well, the length of the, the winter depression, it was getting cut shorter because it used to be like, all right, you'd get through... Thanksgiving, a big drop in December, you get the holiday rush. And then you're like, all right, we got winter games weekend. And then it was just nothing until May. Right. And usually late May, really. And now that, like you said, like so many places just took a stab at it of staying open later. I remember JR from Chives several winters ago, um, the fall was coming. He's like, I'm thinking about staying open in the winter. I'm like, really? Could you really do this? Would there be enough? And sure enough, there seems to be more than enough. And I think as a critical mass of places started doing that, then people were like, oh, I can go to Door County in the winter yep. and have some fun and, and have some cool experiences instead of, uh, there's three places open. Yeah, for you know? sure. I mean, oh. I think that that's exactly it. We, I remember like our second or third year, we were all talking about, hey, what if we went and talked to like that store to stay open in that hotel? To, you know what I mean? Like, w- could we do this, you know? Because one on its own, you, like the, the first surface level thought is like, 
well, I want to be the one that's open because I'll get all the business. But it's like right. people don't come up here to go to one place. No, right. And four straight nights. <laughs> I was like in Brooklyn, you know, when you're expanding neighborhoods, there's like, what's the best thing that could happen to your bar is another bar opening right next door to it. Right. You know, because it brings more people there. What really um, hurt the Bayside at one point, they used to have the CNC. Right. And sure. then the Bayside. And they both do live music on Mondays. And you're in, intuitively, you might say, well, that's bad. They're going to cannibalize. But it was like... No, everyone can go down there and you have two scenes. You have the party scene at the Bayside yep. and it's still fun at the CNC, but not as crazy yep. and maybe a little better airflow and yeah. air conditioning. <laughs> right. So you'd go like Bayside, get all sweaty, have a few drinks, run over to the CNC, hang out with with Mike and those guys yeah. for uh, 45 minutes, get your bearings again, yeah. and then maybe, all right, we're ready to jump back into that Bayside craziness That's or right. something. And then you'd go back up to Sister Bay if you lived up there. Sure. Um, but you needed both. And then when one of them, like the CNC faded away and it, you kind of lost that, that bounce back and forth yes. pocket. Like, and you know, people call Sister Bay Bowl and Husby is Hus Bowl, right. you know, cause right. yeah, I'm going to go out to Husbowl. I don't know which one I'm just going right. to show up and see what, which one looks better right now. And it might change in an hour. For sure. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think about like anyone that comes in from out of town and they're going to like be here for a bachelorette party or a, just a party or whatever. And like, where do you, you know, you definitely go to Sister Bay for that reason because it's like you can if, bounce. You can bounce any, you know, and if something doesn't fit your vibe, go to the next spot and that's going to fit. And we never, 20 years ago, you did not see bachelorette parties prowling around Sister Bay. Sure. Now, if you go, if you're hanging out on a Saturday in midday, you're going to see four or five throughout the course of a day, like yep. make their way on peak summer Saturdays and yep. stuff and of just bouncing around because there's different places to go to. And I say this as, a lover of Husby's in the bowl as, of, uh, as a guy who worked in both of those and owned one of them, it, it wasn't quite as exciting when it was just Husby's <laughs> for a bachelorette party. Like, sure, sure, like, sure. They, they weren't flocking to Husby's to see me. <laughs> let's just say that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, like to moving past COVID and the readjustments and the, the stresses that have come with that in the restaurant industry. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about just like the evolution of the scene here sure. and your restaurants have been a big part of that and not just sell anybody else short, but, um, it's gotta be, you know, when you started with Wickman house, that was a place that you worked at when it was T Ashwell's yeah, correct. 20 years ago. Yeah. 20, 20 some years. Uh, I was a couple years after that, worked right. a few shifts badly at a night at <laughs> T Ashwell's, um, trying to lie my way through knowing anything about wine or cocktails. Um, but, that I'm we we'd work up there and you'd go, yeah, it's too bad. Like we have great food, but we're so far away, and you know we have a liquor license, but who wants to drive all the way to Elson Bay? Like it seemed impossible to create any sort of bar scene there, right? And, or late night scene, and you have somehow created a scene there that like you're thriving until midnight most nights in the <laughs> summer, and. People are making that drive and hopefully getting safe transportation back and forth. Right. We're but, working on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing that that's been able to happen. And also, I remember like the first time a couple of fine dining places were like, how many of these can we support? Like, who's going to come up here and pay that kind of money? And now you have um, a lot of different places offering a higher level of service. Also, some places offering like that middle level yep. where you can go get a nice experience, but uh, maybe you're getting a, a really good $16 burger, right. um, but you're getting the ambiance of that, that place that serves a $35 entree or something. Yeah, cool. Um, but I don't know, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Like when you started Wickman, did you think it would get to the point that it has? I mean, I guess you never like really think, you know, I'm, I think that, yeah, you want it. That I, I, I think we thought we could do it. You know, I think it was, 
I never understood the when everyone would like come back, you know, investors or or banks or whatever in the first couple of years when we're trying to get financing. You know, it was always like, how are you how the hell are you gonna get people up to Ellison Bay, and then how are you gonna get them to turn off the highway? You know, like literally, people were saying that to us, like in you know, and I, I was like, well, because we're gonna, you know, because <laughs> it's this beautiful old building that we're gonna turn into the Wickman House, and you know, and we're gonna let the the ground speak for itself, and then we're gonna offer this stuff and. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it works. You we'll know? put up a big neon sign. Yeah, but that's uh, the only way you do this, right? That's the only way you do it, you know? So yeah, that, that was kind of the idea. You know, it was just like, we're going to go. I mean, everything that was ever brought to us as a negative, we always saw as a positive. You know, we love that it was t- tucked away a little bit. We love that it, it is that property. We love that it, you know, that was why we decided to go there, for, you know. And, and there is a little business. bit of a uh, example, a precedent with the shoreline, which has been a really successful yeah, place for... Sure. for 25 years, even more remote. Um, for sure. But obviously on the highway with the beautiful water view. But yeah, but it, it, one of the most popular restaurants. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, 100%. Anyway, I, I always just had a hard time understanding people's mind behind that because especially coming from like being in the industry in, in Brooklyn for, you know, 10 years prior to this, it was like, th- those are those little, like, if you had to walk down an alley to like get to something, like that's where you want to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are all the positives to like finding this stuff. So I, I am super uh, thrilled that it did. You know, we had a good team. We had a lot of people put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into, into Wickman House. And I, I am thrilled that it is. it has been the success that it has been, you know. And uh, I did think that, you know, we, when I was mo- looking to move back to Wisconsin, I, I thought I was going to open a restaurant in Madison. You know, that was kind of where I was. And then um, Door County has always spoke to me as a place that I loved. And, and you know, more and more as we were, th- I was thinking about where, where this location for this restaurant was going to be. It just made sense that Door County was going to be it. Cause I thought it was ready for this thing that wasn't there at the time. And now it is, everyone's just like running great businesses up here. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many cool young entrepreneurs and I, I still call us young. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm being a little generous <laughs> with the term, but um, yeah, and that's one thing, honestly, that scared me a little bit with COVID. I'm like, oh, we finally have like this new wave of blood. Like Door County needs an influx of new entrepreneurs every 10 to 15 years. Yep. I think we kind of had a almost a 20 year gap in this last one. Okay. Um, but where you need like a, a, a good chunk of new blood to come in, it usually happens after like economic downturns too. Uh-huh. So you and that's sort of what a lot of places that have become some marquee places, they've managed to, you know, you had the economic downturn in 07, 08, 09. Yep. A lot of places were available on foreclosure. A lot of places were available at steep markdowns or just available in general because the other people are like, all right, this this isn't working. I'm done. So it allowed for that turnover to change the scene a little bit. And um, not to knock a a supper club or a dive bar, uh, some of my favorite things in the world, but um, we did need some new life, especially like from as a destination standpoint, not like not like a destination goes, okay, let's change all of our restaurants. But like, we did need that to compete with other destinations that had like another level of dining and stuff. Um, I think that just like dining alone, I I think what's the coolest thing, you know, just to touch on this a little bit too, is just like the, the community that's here now is pretty amazing, you know? And, and you, and you look at, you look at that, you know, yeah, you and I are young, but the, the younger, uh, uh, generation that's up here now like really just opening up the little shops and the coffee right. shops and stuff like that. and you know and it's just like that's amazing and then what else are they doing like using their voice for good like you know yeah. I mean, it's really it's taking this place that was look at all the statements that came out yeah 
um, on Black Lives Matter. Yes. When that, um, when this blew up a couple of weeks ago, how many businesses um, made it a point to make a statement? And uh, you know, a social media statement only that's not saving the world, right? Right. It's not. It's not the main action, but it's at least, hey, I believe in this. Like, I, I know from my days at Husby, like that was not this as easy to do. Right. Um, and not many people would have done that at right. that time. Um, heck, we're not that far away from, you know, in the seventies, Norb Bly wrote a piece called the dark man of the door about the only black man in Northern door County. Yeah. Um, and there, there are many N bombs dropped in the door County advocate back in those days. Yeah. So, um, it, it is, like you said, like there, there's a community that, um, is, feels good about being themselves yeah. and putting their beliefs out there and, and working for it. And yeah. And I, I just think too, you know, like all of this stuff too, like, you know, the race issue is not a political issue. And I think it's so important that everyone's using their voice and it's so good as a business person that, uh, chose to make a statement and should have made a statement a long time ago of my beliefs. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's the backbone of your business. That's the backbone of you. Uh, but the fact that everyone, you know, so many people continue to come out and say, you know, this is what we stand for. It's like going to a, you know, going to a protest in New York city, which I've been to a few of, you know, you, there's, there's the change that needs to happen. And there's, there's just a sense of you're a part of something, right. You know, and, and then to go and stand on the corner of sister Bay with 20 to 60 people to the three people that are standing there, you know, that, that really is the truth. I mean, that's, that says something and that's the community that we're in. And the fact is like, people need to take notice, you know? Well, I, I did talk to, um, one, uh, black resident of the County earlier this week. And I've, I've been having conversations with anybody I can. Um, but especially people who feel this the most. And I said like, well, what do you think about the protests out there? He said, well, I'm, I'm not going to go up there and carry a sign. Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to walk around and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm the black face of, of right, this. Right. But he goes, does it make me feel good to drive through town and see that people are, are standing up and, um, using their voice to support not me specifically, but like people like me. Yeah. And he said, yeah, it, it makes me feel good. And I was like, cause at first I was like, well, what is that protest doing? What is the objective? What is the, what's it accomplishing? What are your demands, so to speak? Mm -hmm. And then you go like, well, you know, if I, I kind of look at it every day, like if I can do something that makes someone feel better and it, and have a little bit better day and it doesn't take away from my day, like, why wouldn't I do that? Right. I, I think of like masks the same way. Like when people fight, fight that tooth and nail, it's like, well, the science says it, but also like it's no sweat off my back to do this and make these 10 people just feel more comfortable and have a better day. For sure. Like I, I can do that for sure. <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, for sure. And that's not to minimize what the protests do, but I'm just saying, um, I think, I mean, that statement from that gentleman, um, it, I, I don't know. It meant a lot. Cause you're like, all right, that makes, yeah. that makes him feel like part of this community a little bit deeper. And I think change has to come. This has to, this cannot continue to go on. You know, I was 12 when Rodney King happened. Yeah, you know that's I mean? a third of a century ago right. is Rodney you King. Know, you and know we're still yeah, talking about we're this. Still, and we haven't made a change. And, and the fact of the matter that I really, you know, one of the biggest things with standing in that, is with those protesters and putting the voice out there, and I hope more people in the community join and, and, and really keep using their voice, keep listening, 
keep understanding that we have a lot to learn. But the big thing is that you can't, Door County is vacation land. We all make our money on people coming up here for vacation, but we're also a community of people that are living here. And we're also a community that like, you can't go on vacation. You can't vacation away from what's going on right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact of the matter is that to me just says so much that, yeah, you need to like relax. You need to be able to like recharge, but you can't forget that this needs to happen. This change needs to happen. And even in this tourist community that you're getting away to, like people care about it here too. Yeah. That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we should all care about it. Um, well, Mike, I know you said you gotta, you gotta hit the road at four. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's like three fifty-five, so I'm not letting you out of my garage without making me a cocktail. <laughs> I so, love it. I love it. <laughs> um, this is my thing. I'll, I invite people onto the podcast so they can do things for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. thanks a ton for joining me. We, we got to do this again. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. I really appreciate it. And I know we got some other projects we're working on that um, maybe maybe in the months to come that, that we can unveil. I can't, I can't really say much about them now, yep. but like, yep. don't worry, it's not restaurant. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, some community-based projects that yes. hopefully we have some good information to at least put on the table for some people. So um, yeah, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.